0: Uh, Let's just pray before we dig uh, right into the text here. Uh, Holy Spirit, we ask you would come and uh, as we encounter your word, as we uh, read the scriptures and as we uh, look at them for wisdom and grace, would you meet us uh, beyond uh, with wisdom and knowledge with with your presence, Lord. We ask that your word would do uh, the mystical side of what it does and as we read it, it would transform us that it would be alive to us, that you would be speaking through it in a way that's uh, more than just cognitive learning, but it's heart transforming. We we love your word and love what it does, and we just want to open uh, space for the Holy Spirit to do everything he wants to do through the scriptures. Thank you so much, Lord. Amen. Amen. So we are in the middle of a little series on Psalm 18. We've been looking, uh, we're looking just for the next, this week and next week and last week, uh, at just for a three-week look at this one psalm. Now Psalm 18, as we talked about last week, is uh, really breaking down this, period of time in David's life between when he was uh, anointed as king by Samuel the prophet. So there came a point at a time in his journey when great King David was anointed as king and he knew that God had chosen him as king. Uh, But there was quite a long number of years before the Living King like King Saul was really excited about that and I think you probably don't understand how that dynamic goes when when uh, you're the king and a prophet comes and anoints somebody else as king you feel a little insecure a little uh little uh, frustrated with that and so David was living in this crazy space of knowing that God had given him something uh, but not able to fully walk it out. And, and not only was he unable to walk out this sense of kingship, this sense of a calling with God, uh, but he was in a place that was really hemmed in because Saul uh, was actually actively persecuting him and actively trying to kill him. So David at this time was hiding in holes in caves and caves, and he was sort of gathering some men around him because he was kind of a natural leader. It says so there were about 400 to 600 men who were around him, and they were going and doing doing this stuff that they were supposed to do as a king. He was supposed to be sort of cleansing the land and and leading a military force and doing all of that stuff, doing what kings do. And and David was doing that. He was trying to to lead and trying to be a a good king. But at the same time, he he wasn't king. So he's in this weird place of having a sense of responsibility and a sense of calling, but not a sense of authority to do Uh, what he was really supposed to do. And and through this, of course, it was a terrifying time. He was under it. We talked about that last week. He was just under this sense of of persecution. And he was saying, you know, all of these really uh, radical things to God. Like David did not sort of pull any punches in his relationship with the Lord. Uh, There's other psalms that talk about this and it's, oh Lord, why do you persecute me? Uh, speaking uh, about some of the pain in his life. That's, that's pretty significant. He's being really, really honest. He's saying things like in verse 4, the cords of death entangled me, the torrents of destruction overwhelmed me, the cords of the grave have coiled around me. So David is in a dark place. And as we looked at it last week, we, uh, we saw the Lord's response to David's prayers. Like the Lord comes to David, and, and, uh, and David's perception of what the Lord is 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 saying about where David is at is the sense of really a mighty anger of the Lord's. Like the Lord reacts to David's persecution with with fury and with anger. And we kind of unpacked that a little bit as uh, we need to understand that God is a passionate God. Right? He's a passionate God. He loves you with a passionate love. And so when somebody hurts you, he feels that in a passionate way. He feels that anger. And, and so David is saying crazy stuff like uh, he's saying, the Lord thundered from heaven, the voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered his enemies. It's talking about this, this, this wrath of the Lord. And so we, we had to understand God that way, that God uh, reacts in his wrath when sin happens against us and when we sin. But when we sin, as we're Christians, that wrath is resolved at the cross. So he takes that wrath, that anger the, uh, of that sin, and when we come and ask him forgiveness, instead of placing it on us, he, he places it on Jesus as a gift. So just like a judge would say, you know, you are guilty, yes, you've committed this crime, uh, there is a price that needs to be paid, and, and I'm going to pay it. He's the judge who incarcerates himself. He's the parent who spanks himself. And we see uh, that God is, is fully loving in his anger. His anger is a response to hurt that's happened to other people. Yet his anger is resolved and he loves through visiting his own anger upon himself. And it's just an incredible story of the love of God. And so we pick up this story of David understanding the love of God in this way. And then we hear how the Lord delivers David. And I'm just going to read this next section of Psalm 18 and we'll unpack it a little bit. So the Lord, uh, David is now responding uh, to the, the anger of the Lord and what the Lord is doing. And he's describing uh, how the Lord saves him. He says this, he says, He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. And at this point in David's story, he's set free from the persecution of Saul. And he's uh, beginning to walk into the kingship Saul has passed on. And, and David is is recounting how that happened just in that story. And then he begins to analyze it a little bit. He begins to to think about it. He begins to reflect. He says... I've been blameless before him. I, I've kept myself from sin. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands and his sight. So David is debriefing the situation. Why did the Lord do this? It says, to the faithful you show yourself faithful, to the blameless you show yourself blameless, to the pure you show yourself pure, but to the devious you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble, but you bring those low whose eyes are haughty. So describing the Lord's heart in the matter. And then he he says this, he says, As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle so my arms can bend a, bro, a bow of bronze. And so the section that we've just read are those ones that are highlighted and underlined. The story of the deliverance of the Lord. And this is just his story unpacked in a psalm. Uh, this, the, the reflection, like, what was my part in this? Uh, what did I do? Uh, the revelation and the reflection of God's part in it, and him beginning to understand the new reality he's in. So the Lord delivers him. It's seeing the why. Why did the Lord deliver David? Why did the Lord see him? Why did the Lord look at him? Um, what, what was my part in this? He, he's analyzing, like, did I do something right? Did I do something wrong? He, he's wrestling in the same way we all do. He sees some revelation. He reflects on what God's part in the journey is. And then he begins to talk about, okay, my part, God's part. Now, how does this work, us living together? And just, just a really helpful tip on unpacking these really long psalms. With, um, with so many different sections in them, a really, really helpful thing is to really look for the pronouns. You'll notice in part of the Psalms, David is saying, I did this. Uh, this is my situation. I cried out to the Lord. And then in other parts, he's saying, well, the Lord did this, so now he's proclaiming. And then in other parts, he's actually talking to God. So he's, he's talking to himself, he's talking to the people, he's talking to God. And, and if you are ever reading the Psalms, in particular some of the long ones, uh, put little chapter breaks in the spaces for yourself in between the switches and pronouns so that you can really understand uh, the breaks and the flow to what God's saying. It's just a really helpful tip for reading these great long psalms. I don't know if what, what it's like, but when, when I read them, I read maybe the first five or six verses and then it's like, blah, 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 right? <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, it can get like that. So so here we are. Here's David. He's in this place where he feels like he's been delivered, uh, like all of this persecution is off him. Like, like uh, what Harold was describing, uh, some of the stuff that was on Harold when he, we prayed for him that night, we literally saw it lift off him. And we've seen this time and time again. We just see people be delivered. We see weights lifted off of people. Struggles that they've had for long periods in their life uh, just disappearing. We see addictions being wiped out. We see uh, patterns of unfaithfulness and, and brokenness. Uh, we see people getting set free. We even saw somebody like Tim be released from, from, from being so restricted. You know, like like he's still holding back. Yeah, it's him. Just released from holding back because he's such a like a wallflower. Uh, You know, he's like, do we want this guy released from holding back? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, man. Oh, man you know so we this and this has been an incredible time at OVV these last you know 4 to 6 months we've had just these incredible ministry encounters with people getting free like like it's been an incredible acceleration of people coming to us on staff and saying hey I just need to get free with this I've been dealing with it forever it's like the lord has been touching people like touching this stuff and we've just been seeing incredible things incredible things and so here we are the lord has delivered david he's finally free from saul and he's describing it god reached down from on high and took hold of me he drew me out of deep waters he rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me, but the Lord was my support. And he, he, did, he explains it like this. He says, the Lord, he brought me out into a spacious place. And David is in this place of finally freedom and clear to navigate. And he says this, and I, I find this line just astounding. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Amen. Wow, that's he, that's re- Right? He rescues us because he's delighted in us. When I ask God for help, I am not prone to imagine the Lord is delighted. Come on. I don't imagine the Lord is delighted. I'm imagining the Lord saying, I told you so. You shouldn't have got into that. (laughs) Come on. You know better. You read the Bible, didn't you? Right? Like, come on. And not again. Like, give me a break. Oh, stomach you fool! you should have known better right isn 't that what we imagine a lot of the time when we we, we, we don 't even actually want to call out to the Lord for help a lot of the time we, we think we 've got to figure this out on our own we 've got to do this ourselves, but the Lord is delighted in him he rescued me because he 's delighted in me. like look at this guy The Lord is delighted in you, like imagine that face on the lord 's face when you ask for help he asked for help that's awesome I'm going to rescue him I'm going to help him it's amazing he called out to me Woohoo! So again, an email from that guy you haven't heard from him in a long long time right it's really good the Lord wants us to encounter him to, to ask him and so David is, David is reflecting well okay so why is he delighted in me why is the Lord delighted in me right? The self-reflection part. And I've trimmed some of the verses out of this just so that this sermon isn't ridiculously long. Um, So there's, you'll see I jump from 21, I skip 22, go to 23 and 24, but that's just for time's sake that it's all beautiful. Uh, For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I'm not guilty of turning from my God. I've been blameless before him and I've kept myself from sin. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. And that's kind of an Old Testament understanding of why the Lord blesses us, isn't it? Right? We we know that the Lord blesses us really because of, of the cross, because we're we're made clean by what he did. We're made clean by his blood shed for us. But at the same time, even in the New Testament, there is some correlation between our actions. And, the, and connectedness with the Lord, isn't there? Like, think about John uh, chapter uh, 14, verses uh, 15 and 23. Um, if you love me, you'll obey me. Later in 23, the one who loves me is the one who obeys me. Right? So there's a connection between our actions. We know that grace is completely free. We know that we don't do anything at all to earn God's love. But yet at the same time, there's a way in which it's important how we're inclined towards him, isn't it? It's important how we're inclined towards God. Uh, we look in, in, uh, in the Beatitudes, blessed are the righteous. So there's, there's a blessing somehow tied to, to our actions, something to make sense of there and David understands that there's something about his heart toward the Lord that has drawn the Lord's heart towards him we don't entirely understand how that mystery works but I think it's basically just getting where God is isn't it like where is God where is he well he's he's caring for the poor so do I want to be with God well I'll go care with for the poor right like that's where that's where God is. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna get there. My heart is gonna be inclined to Him. Uh, God loves the humble. Well, then I'm gonna try not to be a proud person. Now, I know He loves me. He forgives me. Grace is poured out when when I when I uh, when I sin. When I elevate myself. Uh, when I need forgiveness, that grace is always there. But uh, do I really want to need it that much? right? It's it's out of an expression of love, it's out of an expression of affection for the Lord that we keep ourselves from sin. Not to earn anything from him, not to earn our salvation, I want to just repeat that and repeat that, but we we do it out of love. Because we love him, we obey him. Uh, But what we get to understand that goes far beyond what David understood is that uh, he delights in us because of this. He delights in us because of this when he sees us because of what he's done on the cross uh all of that sin all of our darkness all of our brokenness taken from us and visited on himself in christ then he sees us as completely clean completely pure completely washed and we have a sense of ultimate righteousness that goes beyond the getting our feet dirty walking about in the muck of the world right there's a sense of ultimate righteousness that comes because of the cross that goes far beyond anything we could do just by obeying him and loving him right so David says there's something about the way I kept myself in the presence of God as part of why he had his heart inclined to me and then he explains talks about God's part He says, To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure, but to the devious, you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble, but bring low those whose eyes are haughty. And in that, I mean, I just want to show you this word show uh, in the Greek, it's actually a prefix that in, it's actually a beautiful structure, sorry not in the Greek, in the Hebrew, it's actually a beautiful structure uh, that's written in that passage where that word, if you look at the words at the end there, faithful, blameless, pure, um, those words are, are words that describe us if we are faithful and then it adds a little prefix on them, you yourself show forth blamelessness but it's not really show it's he will be to you faithful if you are faithful it's not like he will show you that he's faithful like you get to watch the faithfulness of God in a screen or you get to understand the faithfulness of God or you get to learn something about the faithfulness of God it's he will be exist as faithfulness to you If you are faithful, he will exist as faithfulness to you. If you show yourself blameless, he will exist as blamelessness to you. He will exist in that intimacy, is what that word really means, that blamelessness. Uh, To the pure, you show yourself pure. Well, then I will be your purity. So at the same way as we kind of incline ourselves to God with... Being faithful, trying to walk blameless lives, trying to walk pure lives. It says that he walks in blamelessness, faithfulness, and purity in us. So that as much as we are inclined to him in it, he's inclined to us. And it becomes no longer a journey that's transactional. We do it, and he does it following us. It's something that we're being and doing together as we incline our hearts to him. And this is the whole beauty of what this psalm is all about, is that uh, God is taking David from a transactional relationship with God, I do this, God does this, to a journey together. And we really see it right here, again in the structure Uh, he's describing his new reality he's describing his new situation he says as for god his way is perfect the lord's word is flawless he shields all who take refuge in him for who is god besides the lord who is the rock except our god these things all echo uh, his introduction in the first so it shows us a uh, a particular transition in the writing Uh, Because these things all show up in the first and second verse. And then it says this. He says, verse 32, It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle so my arms can bend a bronze bow. Now, sometimes in our thinking about mission, we imagine that we are independent agents who work with God in kind of a transactional way, right? Right? Isn't that what we imagine most of the time? We imagine that he gives us a task. We either are are just being responsible and doing something we know we're supposed to do, or he speaks to us about doing something he wants us to do, or we read in the scriptures about a way that we should behave, and then he sends us out to do it, and we either perform or don't perform, right? Sometimes more don't perform than perform, right? Right? And then he renders judgment, okay, you did a good job, you did a bad job, and he gives you praise or correction. He says, you did good here, and you didn't do so great here, I want to correct you in this area. And isn't that sort of what we imagine our our life with God is like? Because that's ultimately, that's the way our lives with our teachers are, and that's the way our lives with our parents are. When I'm uh, not fully on my game as a parent, I, I operate in this with my kids. Okay, this is what you should do. Go do it. Uh, you know what? You didn't quite get all that stuff off the floor. Run the vacuum again, son. Right? Thumbs up, thumbs down on everything they do, my poor children. Thumbs up, thumbs down, right? It's pretty, it's, it's pretty bad, right? Uh, he renders judgment. He offers praise or correction. But that's, that's so far from a biblical view of our relationship with God. That's so far from it. Nothing could be further. David sees God and all his power as being with him and in him on mission. Let's look at these verses again. It is God who... And look at what the words I have underlined here. It is God who arms me with strength and keeps secure my way. In the the Hebrew, the word keep and secure are one word. Uh, He keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of the deer. He causes... Me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. These are all really, really active words in our lives. These are all words that are happening in us and with us. That word arms is hamazerene, which means to gird or bind onto you. It means he, he puts it on you like clothes. It surrounds you. Uh, he, he surrounds you with it. He ties it onto you. He arms you with strength. He, he makes his strength your strength. He makes my feet like the feet of the deer. That, that Hebrew word is wayyitan, which means he gifts completely, wholly, irrevocably in a way that is legally yours. He gives it in a way that is legally yours. He bestows it on you as a contract. He bestows Does it on you as something that can't be taken from you. He makes your feet secure like the feet of a deer. He keeps you secure. He he makes it so that what he is giving you and what he's blessing you with can't be taken away. Uh, Those words, makes and causes, makes and causes, misawe. It means transforms, makes intention reality. It makes two things that are different the same. It makes things that are uneven level. It means that he's taking uh, himself who is up here and you who are here and bringing those worlds together in a radical way. In a radical way. He causes you to stand on the heights. He, he places you where he is. He makes the same substance that he's made out of the substance that you're made out of. All of these words are words of integration and connection. He trains my hands for battle. Melamed means he teaches to the inside of you. Beauty of the Hebrew language. He teaches to the inside of you. It's not like just giving you knowledge that you can put in your back pocket. He trains your hand for battle. He, he teaches to the inside of it. He rewrites the DNA of it. He puts his strength, your, his, your, his ability, everything of him inside you. And David all of a sudden is now understanding Uh, The love and the blessing and the saving power of God isn't as much a condescending thing where God takes David from that bad place and lifts him to this better place. He takes David and walks with him in a really radical way. And so that our journey going forward isn't any longer that transactional journey. Our journey with God is a sense of him living powerfully in us and through us and that's what happened in the incarnation of Jesus Christ God very God born in the earth that's what happens at the cross that's what happens when we're inhabited by the Holy Spirit uh, we look again to the book of John uh, whoever remains in me whoever's connected to me bears much fruit right it's all about this connectedness to the Lord, to the Lord. that's the life that he has for you uh, that sense of partnership Again, David isn't doing stuff for God. He's doing stuff with God, empowered by God, filled by God. That's the journey that he has for us. And I just want to bring us back to where we started. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Now, how many of you don't feel like you're in a spacious place in life? Do you feel like you're free and clear to navigate and to do the things that God is calling you to do, to pursue the mission he's calling you to do? I mean, I wrestle with this so much. There's so many times when I think of something I want to do or I ought to do or I feel called to do, and I can't see a way out of this space that I'm in to do it. I feel so often like I'm in a tight place. So often the word can't comes to mind. So often a sense of being trapped comes to us. Right? We as believers feel like that. We feel so trapped. There's always a reason why we can't do that thing that God is calling us to do. Yeah, God wants to deliver you from that sense of isolation and aloneness. He wants to take you by the scruff of the neck. And move you not from this place of trappedness to some other place that just feels good, but move you into the very center of his will. And absolutely empowered by him. And absolutely filled by him. And when you are with him filled by him that strength of his is yours that power of his is yours his life is flowing through you in a radical way you can be standing in a situation that you were yesterday feeling like you were trapped and all of a sudden you can fight the battle and win because the lord is with you let's stand up Father, I pray for everyone here who is uh, in a place where they feel trapped, where they feel like the word can't is is the word that is the answer to any question that you might have for them. For those who feel under-resourced financially, for those who feel underempowered in terms of their giftings, for those who feel that they can't speak a word that they need to speak, for those who can't share the gospel with their friends because they don't think they have the words, for those who can't fight and wrestle down a conflict in their job, uh, for those who feel like they can't do something they're called to do, for every one of us in that place, Holy Spirit, would you rescue in the way that David rescued Would you rescue in the way that David was set free? Not a passive thing, but would you enter into these lives and would you infuse each person with your power and see each one that freedom comes in partnership walking with you? Would you take relationship and make it at the center of our DNA, this understanding, Lord? That you want to walk with us. Release your power. In Jesus name. Release your power and set your people free. Come Lord Jesus. For everyone who is in a place where Harold was. Feeling isolated and alone. Like he couldn't ask for help. Would you uh, let them ask you for help. And let them ask us for help. And we'll just journey together, Lord. Would you set your people free? Set your people free. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Just pray any of you here that are feeling like you're in that space, particularly trapped, particularly stuck, uh, just get someone in the community to pray for you. and and see that there's freedom for you. There might be some here who uh, are unsure about relationship with Jesus, have never given him your heart, have never said, you know what, I, I, I need this relationship with you, Jesus. I've kept you at bay. You've been just a historical person to me. If, if that's you and you want to have a personal relationship with Jesus, uh, if you've kept him away in any way, uh, I just invite you to come and, and let us pray with you. And just invite you to come and and let the community gather around you and and help you in your first steps in relationship with Jesus. Uh, Knowing him, having him in your life is absolutely transformative. It's going to change everything. It's going to change everything. Uh, Please take that step. Please take that step. And Holy Spirit, just fill us. Refresh us. Strengthen us. We receive your power. We receive your glory.